If winning isn't everything, why do they keep score? Vince Lombardi. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on sports medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker. Dr. Stricker practices sports medicine at the Scripps Clinic in San Diego, California. He is the past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Sports Medicine and Fitness. Dr. Stricker was an All-American swimmer in college and served as a team physician for the United States Olympic team at the Sydney Olympics. He is the author of the book, Sports Success, Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience. Today we are discussing reducing pressure in youth sports by understanding sports skill development. Hi, Dr. Stricker. Thanks for joining us on this special segment on sports medicine. Thanks for having me on the show. So tell me, how did youth sports get so out of hand? Oh, I think it's a, a combination of many years of a change in society, plus media, plus hype and reality TV, where you know everybody thinks they have one shot and that's it. And so we've kind of distorted what used to be a wonderful definition of success, which was more personal achievement and personal accomplishment. And now success really is only the gold medal or first place, which obviously will severely limit most people into a very small percentage or category. So what I always challenge people is just how do you define success? Because too often how we define success may be how we end up defining our children. And how would you define success? Isn't it like Vince Lombardi said, winning is everything? I think winning is important. We all need to feel that sense of you know self-achievement. But there's so many ways that you can achieve and accomplish. And if you improve on yourself, that's always a personal winning. But winning is not always a personal success. And I think we need to remember that. You can have kids who clearly get first place without much effort. And then there's kids who do the best they've ever done in their entire life and still come in sixth place. That is the kid who still has won. And so I think we have to remember winning as a very personal thing and how you define it. Was there a decisive moment? Was there something that just really made you nuts that you saw going on in youth sports that prompted you to write this book? Yeah, I think it was a, It was more of an accumulation of things, but it was one of those things where I finally got to the boiling point and would literally lay awake at night going, why do people keep talking about unrealistic expectations and all the pressure on these kids, but nobody's really understanding where it's coming from besides just maybe, you know, parents wanting to finish their unfinished business. And I started to realize that so many of these kids are are pushed and pressured because people think that after potty training, they can just do something if you practice it hard enough and long enough. You know, people know when their kids can sit up and roll over, but they think after that, you just practice, practice, practice. So they're being pushed. And I realized that if they don't understand that some of these things are still developing years after that, if they understood that better, maybe they'd relieve some of the pressure off of these kids and themselves. You mean there's some developmental milestones when it comes to sports readiness? Yeah, there actually is. Could you go through some of those? Sure, I'd love to. We always kind of try to do it by general age clusters, so to speak, because, of course, we all know that there's a group of kids that fall within the average range, and then there's your outliers who are truly extraordinary. And I think what's important is that parents not try to make every child like that extraordinary child because that's the one that is just going to be kind of off the scale. And if you try too early to put them in that category, it may be a real mistake where you try to overpush them. So in general, the way we try to approach it is in that early two- to five-year-old group, they're really just still learning how to stand up without falling down, and and they don't have a lot of visual maturity. And so things like t-ball are really great because they don't have to move a lot and they can focus on a stationary object. 
a lot of our mature running skills reach adult levels more by about age seven, where they don't have to think about so much about standing upright. And then our mental development, for instance, for complex decision sports, really improves after about age 10. And then our aerobic development really takes off after puberty. So when you think about that, there's tracks of developing physically, emotionally, chemically, etc. And those are all things that happen on a sequential basis over time. And they can't really be pushed too quickly. On my way home from work, I'm a pediatrician. I pass the athletic field in my local community and the coaches are out there and they're blowing their whistles and the kids are in their uniforms and everybody's dressed to the hilt. But what can a parent do or are there tests of readiness that either the athletic coaches should be administering or parents maybe should be administering just so they can have some realistic expectations of what their child can actually do? That's an excellent question. And I think, you know, a lot of Eastern European countries have been trying to do that for years where they will, you know, select out children that show certain amounts of promise and talent at early ages and then try to refine that. In the United States, I think part of our way to help is to kind of allow your kids to be exposed to multiple different activities, one, just so they can be well-rounded and not super specialized too early, but also so that they can really kind of gravitate towards something that they do find comes relatively easy and, most importantly, that they enjoy and have fun with. So rather than trying to find a test that you know, every kid can do and every parent can do to try to find that little needle in the haystack is expose them to a lot of activities, let them gravitate towards what they're doing well with and feel that personal self-accomplishment with. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us on this special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker, past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. We're discussing... Dr. Stricker's book, Sports Success Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience. I was really thinking more in terms of, you know, so a parent doesn't have an unrealistic expectation. You know, your kid gets up and he strikes out every time. But, you know, maybe his visual motor integration hasn't developed yet. Is there some way that a parent can say, you know, he's ready for this level or say to a coach, you know, you're pushing my child too hard. He's just not reached this point. I remember my kid couldn't build Legos till about six months after his friends and all of a sudden he knew how to put them together and it was just developmental. Right, absolutely. And some of that I think will come as more and more people truly understand this kind of sequential development. And so when you look at visual development, for instance, if you're trying to work on hitting moving balls or catching moving balls or kicking or or whatever, those are things that occur really within its own kind of realm visually. And so in those five-year-olds, right, they can focus on that stationary ball. But then as they move forward, when they're kind of in that seven or so age range, they do better about moving objects if they're coming right towards them or if they're going right towards it versus maybe eight and a half, nine years old when they really mature that ability to finally track a moving object and meet it at a different point. And so in that general scheme of things, that's kind of how kids are going to fall. Now, you're going to have kids, obviously, who are before that and after that. But in general, if you're a five-year-old and they're trying to have them catch fly balls out in the field and they're missing every time, it's truly not that the kid is a total klutz or that he'll never be able to catch a ball, but it's just that developmentally that's not the time period for that skill. Now, will that kid then, once he reaches that, be able to catch every ball perfectly? Maybe or maybe not. That's just, again, part of your genetics. Now, again, say that child, should a coach find another position for him? I mean, a great story when my daughter was playing softball and 
She was about 10 years old, and the girl dropped a fly ball in the outfield, and the coach started screaming. And a friend of mine who coached kids for years came out of the stands, put his arm around the coach, and said, tell me, coach, do you think she really tried to drop the ball? Again, some of these coaches who forget that they're 8 or 10 or 12 years old. What approach would you recommend a parent take to the coach who seems to be getting down on their kid and spoiling that child's fun? Well, it's, it's always a tough thing because a lot of times they have their own particular reason why they're pressured themselves. Sometimes they're under the gun, you know, to make sure that their team is winning or they've gotten pressure from other parents to make sure that every kid is playing or that they play their kid all the time. So some of the problems are not necessarily from the coach themselves, but usually my hats go off to the coaches who really focus their efforts on how can I best improve this child's life and performance regardless of the outcome, because that's what's eventually going to help the parents realize that, hey, it's really not always about whether you come in first place or not. And I think what happens is if we do that too much, and these people really put a lot of pressure on these kids, is that the kid starts to identify their self-worth with how they have performed instead of on just who they are. And that becomes a very, very dangerous issue as they grow up, because they should never have their self-worth threatened by the outcome of an event. So We really want to encourage both the parents and the coaches from both sides to say, hey, we're all about our kids doing the best effort and knowing that, sure, sometimes they're going to win, sometimes they're going to lose, but that teaches them values that they can carry over into their long-term life. So I guess if I were a coach, advice you might give me is at the end of each game to tell each kid what he did better this time, to find something that that child improved upon. No, I agree 100%. You just you know, definitely struck a chord with me. And that's, I've seen instances like that. I've worked in camps like that where you know, you're not allowed to say anything negative. And after a while, it really becomes easier and easier. We're so used to kind of picking at things instead of really looking at what did I personally do better or what did that person do better. And it really changes your outlook on a lot of different things. So I agree that's a wonderful tactic to be able to use. In your book, you make a point that children shouldn't focus on a single sport. But If a kid has a real aptitude, I mean, if it's something he just does really well, do you still feel they should try a bunch of different things? And that comment is, is again, for the general population of children. Overall, the American Academy of Pediatrics does not support super early specialization for multiple reasons, you know, socialization, overuse injuries, and a lot of the pressure and the burnout, all that stuff. There are absolutely kids who excel early on. They just absolutely fall in love with that activity and that sport. And they enjoy it. They're completely joyful. They have a great time. They can't wait to go back to that activity. In those particular cases, it's perfectly fine for that child to be focused on that one activity. What happens is we don't then want the adult counterparts to then say, judge them based on adult standards and say, then we need to push them more because they're already eager to do what is required of them. And if you kind of turn it around and then say, well, now we need to push them more because they're already good at this sport, then you still risk making it an unpleasant situation where they don't look forward to it. You were an all-American swimmer. i got to ask you, would you have reached that pinnacle if you'd followed your own advice, as written in the book? I was kind of fortunate in that I was lucky. I, I tried all the other sports, and I was really pathetic at anything that had moving objects, tennis, basketball, football, baseball, etc. Plus, I was really, really small. I was very underdeveloped. So for me, swimming really did come pretty naturally, and so... I got a late start, though. I didn't really start swimming until I was 10, which, you know, by today's standards is about five or six years too late. So I think today's world, yes, I probably would have been self-selected out because I was a late bloomer. But fortunately, I did have a coach who I felt did it right. I had parents who were very supportive and just wanted me to enjoy myself and do the best I could. 
And then I became one of those kids, like you were talking about, where I really couldn't get enough of swimming. I tried everything else, couldn't do it. This was great. I felt self-accomplishment. And so I think I went beyond kind of what I was even potential for that sport because I loved it so much and I had a lot of really positive reinforcement. I'd like to thank Dr. Paul Stricker, who's been my guest. We've been discussing Dr. Stricker's book, Sports Success Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience, How to Maximize Potential and Minimize Pressure. You've been listening to a special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I leave you with a sports tip from Yogi Berra. You can't think and hit at the same time. I invite you to listen to our on-demand library by visiting us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code radio and receive six months of free streaming audio. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.